Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. You know, a couple of years ago on this date, which, by the way, is my mom's 80th birthday. So happy birthday to Donna Nancy Ballou in Tampa. Keep fighting. Try to get stronger. May the Lord be with you. Two nights or two years ago tonight, no one was elected into baseball's Hall of Fame. It was a statement made by the staunchy old riders. They were like, we're just not going to do it. And you know what? I agreed with them. And I kind of wish the same thing would happen now. The Baseball Hall of Fame, just like everything else in life, is just so completely watered down. I mean, the product is down in the sports that we love. Everyone complained about the NFL this year. Obviously, that begins and ends with Al Michaels. But you can talk about Tom Brady. You could talk about Peter King. Uh, the product on the field is not what it once was. Trying to watch college basketball right now sucks. Um, you know, that's, that's just life. And the Veterans Committee or whatever it is, you know, it's kind of like later in life, let's give them the well-deserved participation trophy. So... You see Minnie Minoso and Jim Cott and Gil Hodges and Tony Oliva and Buck O'Neill and Ted Simmons and Harold Baines. And uh, the list goes on and on and on of guys who could not get voted in by the Baseball Writers Association of America uh, sneak through the back door years later. And... I love this. It's a healthy argument. I I am emotionally tied into Major League Baseball. It's where my roots were, where I come from in Boston. It's baseball, and it's hockey. Everything else is secondary. And if someone tries to tell you differently, they're lying. I have a lot of passion for the Hall of Fame. And it's so ridiculously hypocritical because the best players on the ballot, and in this case, a couple of guys now who are off the ballot, aren't in. All right, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds are not in. Uh, Mark McGuire and Rafael Palmero are not in. Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez and Sammy Sosa are not getting voted in. Now, I understand that there's the the big naturally strong individuals out there who are going to grab the steering wheel and grip it and say they cheated, they took roids. And, you know, I get that. I've been hearing that argument for decades. Um, But it's still the era that baseball was played in. And more were doing it than those who were not 
doing it. Yet we turn the blind eye to Jeff Bagwell. We turn the blind eye to Pudge Rodriguez. We turn the blind eye to to others as well, where there have been rumors about steroid use, yet it seems like the poster children of it are not allowed in. Let's enter tonight. First off, the crime dog was voted in. I I don't honestly know the name of the committee because it changes all the time. These committees change like a Kardashian will change a boyfriend, and that's not trying to be funny. That's just being the truth. The crime dog had a wonderful career. A Hall of Fame career? Mm. Tonight, it's Scott Rowland. Phenomenal defensive player. Maybe one of the best defensive third basemen to ever play the game. We're, we're talking Greg Nettles third base. We're talking Brooks Robinson third base. Uh, just an absolute vacuum cleaner who did his job in a tremendous baseball market. But if you look at the numbers, 281 lifetime, a slugging of 490, an OPS of 855, just over 2,000 hits, 316 home runs, only four times in his career. Make that five times in his career. He went north of uh, 100 as far as RBIs. Only hit more than 30 home runs three times in his career. Is, Is that a Hall of Famer? That's Scott Rowland. And then the obvious one, so blatantly obvious, the former Tennessee quarterback who was there with Peyton Manning, spends his entire career in Colorado, hits 316 lifetime. But again, these same staunchy writers are going to be able to tell you, oh, there was something in the air. There was something with those baseballs that they kept in the humidor. Who cares if he hit 369 home runs? Who cares if he had 1,406 RBIs, including 147 in the year 2000? The man went five consecutive years of 100 RBIs or more, and those were surrounded by seasons of 97 and 96. All right? More than 40 home runs twice. Uh, A guy who's on, on base percentage was 414, had a slugging of 539. An overall OPS of 953, yet not in the Hall of Fame. So, I won't waste more, much more time on this tonight. I get it. I'm in Jacksonville, and there's very few of you out there who still appreciate the great game of Major League Baseball. But I do think when things like this occur, it's time to sit back a little bit and look at history. And be concerned a little bit about history. I I think one thing that is there for baseball traditionalists or baseball purists is that when we think of the greatest of the great, we begin with Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron, and you think of players of that particular ilk. That's somewhat unfair. But you got to be kidding me. Look at the guys who are getting into the Hall of Fame now, okay? Uh, last year, one player, David Ortiz, uh, another guy where there was steroid suspicion. He was never caught with steroids. He never tested positive with steroids. But one of the many different type of tests that they did when the results were released, the name David Ortiz 
was on that list. Again, everyone else, the Veterans Committee, or regardless of what the committee was, Bud Fowler, Gil Hodges, Jim Cott, Minnie Minoso, Tony Oliva, and Buck O'Neill. 2020, you got two in. Derek Jeter, Larry Walker. Okay? I agree on both of those. Uh, the veterans voted in Miller, Marvin Miller, and, and Ted Simmons. Uh, another guy from a phenomenal baseball city. Two really good baseball cities. Ted Simmons was in St. Louis. Ted Simmons was also in Milwaukee. I, I do think playing in St. Louis has something to do with it because St. Louis is truly one of the great major league baseball cities left. They don't care about football in St. Louis. They love hockey in St. Louis. I don't know. Maybe they like college basketball, whatever, in St. Louis. But that's like that's a hockey town, and that's a baseball town. 2019, Harold Baines, Roy Halladay, Edgar Martinez, Mike Mussina, Mariana Rivera, and Lee Smith. Smith voted in by the veterans. You can argue against each and every one of those players outside of Mariana Rivera, who's the greatest closer in the history of Major League Baseball. Harold Baines was a DH, and he was a good one. Roy Holiday was very effective, although it's not a long, distinguished career. Edgar Martinez, another designated here, more of the power type, kind of buried out there in Seattle. Even though it's a huge market in baseball terms, it's considered... Uh, somewhat small market, believe it or not. Mike Mussina, 280 regular season wins. I'll give him credit. He didn't hang on to get the 300, the one-time automatic number. The year prior to that, Chipper, Vladimir, Jim Tomey, Trevor Hoffman, Jack Morris, Alan Trammell. No problem with the first four. We could argue about Alan Trammell. We could argue about Jack Morris. I I, I don't want to go back any further. Bagwell and Reigns the year before. Tim Raines is not a Hall of Famer, okay? Steroid suspicion with Pudge Rodriguez. Steroid suspicion with Jeff Bagwell. The year prior, steroid suspicion with Mike Piazza. So how does some get in and some not get in? It's, It's very crooked, yet it's also kind of perfect for where we are in life. And... It's always been this way. It's different rules for different people. You can get rung up with the same charge, yet some of you are going to look at people one way. Some of you are going to look at others another way. How can you keep Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens out of Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame. How are you going to tell me that Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez are not going to get voted in when you're allowing steroid guys and have allowed steroid guys to get in? It's just like America in general. It needs a massive slap right across the face to wake up. Really disgusted by tonight's announcement. By Major League Baseball. Okay, I'll get to baseball again, probably right around when pitchers and catchers report in in early February, and we'll begin to take a look at things there. I, I know that there are some in town that thought that Andrew Jones uh, would get in this year. Uh, that that did not work for Andrew uh, Andrew Jones. Yet another, you know, very good. Uh, two-way baseball player. No one is arguing with that, with the way that he patrolled center field. He got 226 votes. He missed it by just about 20%. 
Rowling gets 76.3%. You need 75. Todd Helton got 16 less votes. He comes in at 72.2. Billy Wagner, 68.1. Andrew Jones, 58.1. Gary Sheffield, 55%. Another guy, if you read the book, um, what was it, uh, Game of Shadows, I think, the book on Bonds, the book on Jackie Joyner Kersey, Sheffield's all over it for taking the cream, for taking the the uh, the clear, and you know the the different supplements that uh, they discovered in the Balco lab, and it was really a a very good read. It's uh, you know, the, the, there's some depth into it that kind of makes you look a little bit, you know, you tilt your head a little bit like a dog when they really get into the science. And the discovery of the steroids, but you know when you when you talk about that and 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 you read that, it's amazing how for some it's a lot. You can even go to Jose Canseco's book, uh, Juiced. Okay, I remember interviewing Jose Canseco when I was living in Chicago, and the book came out. And you remember how the word was. Jose Canseco's a clown. Jose Canseco has no idea what he's talking about. Everything that Jose Canseco put in that book appears to be true, okay, including being in a bathroom stall with Pudge Rodriguez, who's in baseball's Hall of Fame. So how's Pudge in, yet teammates Rafael Palmero aren't, Mark McGuire aren't, Again, I'm asking. I, I don't have an answer. But how does it work for some and it doesn't for others? Um, also, tonight coming close, or at least in the uh, around 50 percentile, Carlos Beltran, 46.5%. Jeff Kent, 46.5%. Obviously, the next two are automatic Hall of Famers if there were not steroid uh, scenarios. That's A-Rod at 35.7. Manny Ramirez at 33 Point two. So there you go. The Baseball Hall of Fame has come and gone. They drop it to you on a Tuesday night in January. And that's the norm for them. Uh, you know, around here with Baselli and now Fred Taylor and hopefully someday Jimmy Smith, there's so much talk in football and why it's happened or why it took so long to happen. But it, But it's huge. They do it right before the Super Bowl. They'll do it again. Coming up here in just a couple of weeks, we're going to get the baseball, we're going to get the latest addition uh, to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is a very, very tight ballot this year. I mean, almost impossible to take only five off that list. Yet baseball, man. I mean, what are they doing? Let me give you a no, damning no, stat yes. for Scott Rowland. So when got? they originally, obviously these guys are like, these guys are uh, the vote was for you know guys that haven't already made it so it's almost like a second chance for them so the first time he was on the ballot he only got 10 percent yeah and it's like what's happened over the last seven years nothing he's walking old ladies across the road (laughs) apparently but i've always wondered about that how can you be and do you remember the pressure that was thrown on the Baseball Writers Association of America when it became Rock Rain's final year on the ballot. Absolutely. And they did the same thing a year ago with Kurt Schilling, although that backfired because of his big mouth. I think it was 
is it Jay Jaffe? There's some writer that like championed the whole Reigns thing for years and, you know, would like go to door to door to these writers and make sure they voted for him. And yeah, perfect example on this thing tonight, he only got 55%, I think, Kurt Schilling. Oh, it's all about personal stuff. It's all about politics. There's not even any steroid talk with him. Yeah, I think Schilling's off the ballot now. Him and Bonds have been, him, Bonds, and Clemens are off after their 10 years. So they're, they're going to have to rely on one of these committees. The right? latest committee. Exactly. And the latest committee just studied it, and there were a couple of viable candidates, and the one they selected was Fred McGriff, and he was the only one that they selected. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm torn about this. I'm torn about hockey's Hall of Fame. You have four National Hockey League players with more than 500 career goals who are not in the in the Hockey Hall of Fame, you know, including uh, Jeremy Roenick, uh, who's from the United States of America. You look at guys like Pierre Turgeon. To me, that's that's an automatic. That's like hitting 500 home runs in Major League Baseball. That's like winning 300 games in Major League Baseball. There are certain numbers in baseball: 3,000 hits. Well, there's basically only two numbers, or maybe three numbers, in hockey. That's 50 goals in a season, 100 points in a season, and 500 career goals. If you score 500 career National Hockey League goals, brother, you are in the Hall of Fame. Yet right now you got four guys who have been out for well over five years who can't get in Why is for it? one reason or another. Are they just like not liked by the media or the era they played in there was more goals? or You know, the, the arguments against it are – Great player, consistent, but never truly dominant. Never, you know, one of the top five players of that particular season. Never finished top five in MVP okay. of that particular season. They, To me, the Hall of Fame, okay? With apologies to Tony Baselli and Gail Sayers before him and Dwight Stevenson, okay? A huge criteria for me in the Hall of Fame, is longevity. Mm. Is being able to go out there and do it for a very long period of time, year after year, game after game. The great ones, Kirby Puckett, Sandy Koufax. Okay, look at their games played. Not many at all. Pedro Martinez, uh, just barely over 200 career wins. There are some guys. That's why Don Mattingly's not in the Hall of Fame. He didn't play long enough. Okay, and and that's another thing. If you're putting these guys in, where's Dave Parker? Where's Dick Allen? Where's Steve Garvey? Okay, where's Al Oliver? I don't feel like doing the homework here tonight. I just don't. Dig up their numbers. Look at their numbers and compare them. And, and if anything, the last 20 years plus has told us what? It's, it's now about 30 years plus. Juiced player, juice baseball. Oh, you want to bring in, uh, you want to build a new stadium? Yeah, let's, build it. let's bring in the fences. Oh, let's lower the mound. That goes back 30 years ago. That was after Gibson's great years in 68 and 69. 50 so years now. Everything's changed. I, I just gave you example after example. Everything's changed. So 
you used to have to hit home runs, you know, 440 feet or 410 feet down the line. Yankee Stadium now, man, you can saw one off, and it's going into the second deck at Yankee Stadium. But that's what the fans want. They, they, they want offense. They want home runs. So you're going to penalize the guys from, yes, how's Dwight Evans not in the Hall of Fame? Dwight Evans is, is Scott Rowland. Dwight Evans won gold glove after gold glove after gold glove in Boston. Played there for, what, 18 years, wrapped up his career one season in Baltimore. You know, and, and so that's that. That You know, it's just, um, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I wish there was a better way to define the Hall of Fame and then just great players who were great players, but not Hall of Famers. You understand what I'm trying yeah, to say? Like we need another, maybe have it in, I don't know, a different city or something like that. The Hall of Very Great. Scott Rowland definitely belongs in that. Andrew jo- I'm a lifelong Braves fan. Gibby today was trying to tell me how Andrew Jones is a Hall of Famer. I'm like, no, not even close. Like, yes, one of the, if not the best center fielder I've ever seen, but like his bat was terrible. He struck out so often. Who was more clutch, him or David Justice? Um, see, David Justice a little too old for me. Okay. I'm just singing um, to great, Andrew brave Jones outfielders. Was so not clutch. Like, I remember growing up, like, every time there was a guy on base, you know, and he had to drive him in with under two outs, he'd strike out. He had that long swing. But greatest center fielder I've ever seen in my life. Uh, if Scott Rowland's Hall of Famer, I guess Andrew Jones is too. There's only two Hall of Famers, and I've done this work. There's only two in Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame who have struck out more times than hits they actually had. Reggie Jackson mm-hmm. and Jim Tomey. Look at the numbers right now of the great power hitters in baseball. Start with Aaron Judge and Carlos Stanton and look at all of the top players today and look at hits and then compare them to strikeouts. And as you do that, remember what I just told you. There's only two Hall of Famers who have more strikeouts than home runs. Reggie Jackson and Jim Tomey. It's amazing. So um, right now Aaron Judge has 908 strikeouts, and he has 220 home runs. Yeah, what about hits? I'm saying hits to strikeouts. 748. So he's got almost 200 less, over 150, about 150 less hits than strikeouts. But you know what? The game's changed, right? Oh, yeah. No longer are we moving runners along. No well, longer are we bunting. Also, they're more walks, though. Like, he has 470 walks, which back in the day, guys weren't taking walks like that. On-base percentage wasn't nearly as talked about and as important as it is nowadays. But yeah, Scott Rowland took a lot of walks. He had 13.35 uh, in his career. Uh, that's Todd Helton. Let me see. Rowland had 8.99. Yeah, Todd Helton's numbers are just beastly. Todd like, Helton if you're has, going just based on numbers, the guy's a Hall of Famer. He has obviously. 200 more walks than strikeouts. But he gets screwed. If Larry Walker's a Hall of Famer, why isn't – I guess because he played in Montreal? But, I mean, most of Larry Walker's numbers, I feel like, were in Colorado. There's not a big difference between Larry Walker and Todd Helton, in no, my opinion. me neither. Okay. I think they're both Hall of Famers. Both? Took advantage, I guess, of the 
of the thin air. Um, but again, you're gonna you're gonna penalize a guy because he hit in Colorado. All right. So I just want to get that off my uh, my chest early on uh, tonight as we as we get things rolling. Um, at least, I mean, I was I, I was reading today or, or over the I think it was late last week that Bobby Abreu needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Listen, Bobby Abreu was better on a lot of those Philly teams than Scott Rowland was. Jeff Kent deserves to be in. Um, Carlos Beltran does, and I'm sitting here saying to myself, these are really good baseball players, but they're not Hall of Fame no. baseball players. Okay, they're, I mean, you can't put them in and not put Thurman Munson in, or Fred Lynn in, or Don Mattingly in. And for the record, I don't think that Munson, Lynn, and Mattingly should be in the Hall of Fame. I do not. But I also don't think the three guys that I just mentioned should be in the... This is the elite. This is the greatest who ever played the game. And... It's also supposed to be the best Hall of Fame. Yeah. Like, baseball, as a baseball fan, I look down on the other Hall of Fames. The First of all, there is no NBA Hall of Fame. It's just a basketball Hall of Fame. It's a joke. Bro, it's in Springfield, Massachusetts. <laughs> I never visited it. <laughs> and you live right there. Okay. My hotel room this year in Canton was literally a driver and gap wedge from the Football Hall of Fame, and I had a free ticket. I didn't even go. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think the NFL Hall of Fame or the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I think they let a lot of average guys, you know, good, great guys in too. That's why I always felt like the only Hall of Fame I really, truly respected that didn't just let anybody in was baseball, but that's changed now, and it's sad. It and, used to be and really And it's not cool. only that they just let anybody in now, it's that they won't let Kurt Schilling in. They won't let Barry Bonds in. They won't let Alex Rodriguez in. No, they won't. It's it's a very, you know, it's it's a very clouded Writers, man. scenario. And I don't want people to get me wrong. I didn't visit the Pro Football Hall of Fame just because, I, I don't know, but I, I really care about the Hall of Fame. There's a difference now. Okay, I, I go crazy about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You do. I, I went in there, and it was a total disgrace. <laughs> it, it, I mean, you are wasting your time if you're going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You're better off going to a hard rock cafe. You seriously are. Go to the one in Orlando, right there at Universal. I used to bring my daughters there all the time. And, you know, for the most part, that is where we would eat. But I, you know, I, I care about the, I care about who gets voted in next week or in two weeks uh, to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I care about this. I, just going to it doesn't really do it for me uh, anymore. All right, if you want to comment on that, I got a few folks who are getting in. We have some baseball fans here in Jacksonville. We won't spend a lot of time on that as we move forward. My buddy Danny Van Sickle is going to join me here for a couple of minutes. He popped by. We're going to talk more about the Jaguars. And now it appears that teams are going to begin to dab into this coaching staff. With success, you're going to lose guys. Chris Jackson told us a week ago not to worry about anything, not to live off rumors. He took the Twitter on it. What did he do? Well, he gave you a bald face lie. He left today. But that's kind of the way things are. Jim Bob Cooter. Now, apparently, we'll interview...
for the offensive coordinator position in Tampa Bay after Byron Leftwich was fired over a week ago. So we have that to get into. And as always, coming up in just a little bit at 6-4-1-10-10 on Tuesday night is your opportunity to talk about the Jaguars. I know the sting is still in the air, or perhaps it's not. A lot of stuff here in town has been all warm and fuzzy. It's been a whole bunch of uh, of bowing and saluting and rewarding for a very good season. And you know what? I, I think that that's okay. I do. I wonder as well as we start to move forward, whether it's today, tomorrow, or this weekend, or maybe next Tuesday or Wednesday, will you start to get away from that a little bit and instead really analyze how you had a phenomenal opportunity and you blew it because of self-inflicted wounds. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, bundle up, ladies. I thought we were living in Florida. It doesn't appear to be the case. Still getting, still getting chilly in these parts. Let's bring in our good friend Danny Van Sickle. He's from the Electrical Trending Alliance. I'm never going to leave here unless I just decide maybe it's time to slide a little bit south. It really gets cold here in Jacksonville. It does. It's, it's more. It's more South Georgia than <laughs> than North Florida. Be honest with you. I went out today and hit some golf balls, man. The, the wind was just biting. I'm like, what's going on here? I mean, it's January 24th. You know, I'm not in Boston anymore. I hear you. I hear you. But it's still better than a lot of other places, man. Yeah, but you could be down around the Fort Myers, Sarasota area, or something like that, and it's going to be absolutely wonderful this time of year. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I hear you, but I've also been around that area in like May and June and July. So yeah, but it's, it's the same it's, here then. It, it gets pretty hot here, but man, I went to Everglades City one time in June. Literally Hades. I'm just getting soft as you know what. The older I get, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, buddy. How Electrical about you? Training Alliance, how are things? Man, things are great. We just started our new midwinter class that we decided to take in this year. Starting, We used to start you know, normally in September and go to school year, and now we're taking classes in the summer. Now we're starting classes in the winter. Um, it's, a, it's a great time, man. I was with some of your buddies at Miller Electric uh, recently. I popped in there before the playoff game against the Los mm-hmm. Angeles Chargers, and then I had to be restrained and escorted out of there because the governor came in. And they had to frisk me. They thought I was carrying. Wow. Yeah, how about I, that? Yeah, I'm the guy that's going to carry at a, <laughs> at, a, at a Jaguars game. Right. You do have that look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, it was good. It's just, it's just our uh, national security yeah. doing their job. Yeah, it was an awesome time. I was able – I made it for the Tennessee game, and I was able to make it for the Chargers oh. game. So, back-to-back weeks, man, at the, at the bank, really electric atmosphere. Yeah. It really was. I'm like, Ron, I'm a fan. They're like, that's the problem. You can't have any fans there. <laughs> We're more worried about the fans than the non-fans. <laughs> All right, uh, g- give me your thought on the Jaguars, man. I mean, boy, what they did towards the end of the season was pretty special. Terrific season overall, yeah. obviously, midway through. Wasn't feeling great. But one thing I did hold my hat on midway through was uh, they weren't getting blown out, man. I yeah. mean, the Detroit Lions game w- was a terrible game. I get that. But all those other games, the Philly game, I mean, mm-hmm. Philly ended up with one loss on the whole season, and we had them. We yeah. had them the first half, right? Uh, you look at all the games that, that we lost, um, 
we barely lost them. The ones we won when we played San Diego earlier in the year completely dominated them down there. So the way I figured it is, you know, you know what? We were kind of snake bit. I figure we obviously would not make the playoffs, um, but we could hang our hat on being competitive, which is more than what this team can say over the last, what, since 2017. Um, but boy, when they turned it around and they got on that streak, you're kind of waiting on the other shoe to drop. And it just it never dropped until they got to the divisional round uh, playoff game. Yeah, it, it was a great season. It was a season that at least twice uh, for me, Danny, looked like it was totally lost, you know, during that massacre month of October. And then you pointed it out when they played that game at Detroit. I mean, I, I fired a whole bunch of guys uh, after that game. But they're resilient. And, you know, the effort never quit. Um I think it's going to be a very intriguing offseason. I, I, I think more the deeper we get into it and we start to think a little bit towards the regular 2023 season, I think a little bit more remembrance is going to come in towards should have won that game, should have won that game, even two nights ago, could have won that game. Some self-inflicted wounds this year that they're going to have to fix for the 2023 season. They are, and it's aggravating. You know, Jawan Taylor ended up playing really, really, really good this year, but last year wasn't very impressed with him. You know, he he got beat on blocks, had a lot of unnecessary penalties, and now he comes out and he has a monster year this year. They're going to have to make a decision on him. Trayvon Walker, you know, obviously if you're going to spend that kind of draft capital on him, you want a more production as far as getting sacks. Um, that didn't bother me a whole lot that he didn't get a ton of sacks because uh, him getting pressure opens up a lot of things that you don't see. My biggest issue with Trayvon was the silly stuff, man. The the, the personal fouls, one or two games this year, his personal fouls rubbing the passer significantly altered the trajectory of the game. Yeah, And so he is just going to have to get that, that cleaned up. And it makes it worse when you're not getting, you know, 10 sacks out of him and he does that. If he had had a, a Bosa-like season and he has a couple personal fouls, you can kind of deal with that. But no more production than what you're getting. But I do, whenever you listen, to, I listen to Baselli talk and I listen to some of the others talk, and they say that there normally is a, a, a significantly jump between the first and the second year. So I'm hoping that in that second year that he does make that jump. Coach Peterson said, man, they had some great conversations. What struck me the most about that is that he told the coach he recognized he needed to step up his game this next year. So this is a guy that has his money, was already the number one overall pick, was on a winning football team that went to the playoffs, and he's telling the coach, you know what, I need to do better next year. That's very encouraging. Yeah, I, I think the one way that, that I look at this is if you go to last year, which was just terrible, they won three games, but you could see in the second half of the season that Tyson Campbell was really improving. And, and you knew, or at least you thought you knew that, hey, this guy could play, and he's going to be better this year, and, and he was. Can you say the same thing about Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, and to a lesser extent, Chad Moomley, because he didn't play nearly the snaps? Where's the comfort feeling? Because I don't think they're using them right defensively. Where is that feeling compared to Campbell? Because if Jacksonville is going to continuously turn this corner, the three guys I just mentioned are going to have to have a much better second year. Yeah, and, and they've spent a lot of high draft capital on that defense. So it's not as easy as saying, hey, let's address this in the draft, spend the first couple of picks on another linebacker, a, a rush end. Listen, man, you've spent picks on that now. Uh, getting Devin Lloyd last year I really thought was going to be big for this team. He flashed in some really good spots. But there's some other times, man, he just didn't look like he was comfortable out there. Coach pulled him off as far as starting. Um, he did seem to pick it up a little bit toward the end. 
Um, didn't help a lot watching Kelsey score get records on us. Listen, man, we all knew how good they were, but you never want to watch a game and then see a graphic come up on the bottom of it. Sets new record against your team. He's caught a lot of balls. Everybody's known about how great he is, and yet we're the team that he sets the record on as far as completions. Um, that was very discouraging. I would have liked to have seen a lot more pressure, and that falls strictly on the on the linebackers and then whatever defensive linemen that they fall back. But if you got defensive linemen falling back on Travis Kelsey, then you've done something wrong to begin with. Yeah, you know, I mean, they seem to be getting a little bit more pressure later in the year. They had 19 sacks in their last three games. And then you put up a goose egg here against Kansas City when you have a quarterback uh, basically playing on one leg. And, you know, on the flip side, I look at Mike Caldwell and I'm a little indecisive. I, I do think he's going to get better. I, I think there's a need for a change. But you have to go and consider nine takeaways a year ago, 27 takeaways this year. That is outstanding. However, in the two playoff games, Jackson will turn it over seven times. They did not get one takeaway. Yeah, and uh, I really think that you need to give the defensive coordinator another year, uh, change some of the personnel around them. You know, maybe you make some changes on the position side. But as far as the defensive coordinator, um, I say you keep him another year. You let him get players more acclimated to, to him and his system and how they do things. If you don't get the results next year that you're looking for, then that's when you start looking. I mean, heck, Bill O'Brien today just went back and took the offensive coordinator job with the Patriots. You know, so you can find you another defensive coordinator if you don't think this one's doing the job. With it being his first year, really hard to measure it against that first year. Really want to see him, you know, next year with the kind of players that they get, see what kind of adjustments they can make, and see if they can learn from uh, some of the the things that they did this year that wasn't successful. I'm trying to remember, have I had you in here since the Oklahoma victory? For no, have not. Have not. Crying out loud. Imagine my embarrassment. A, Danny, no, busy Danny, month. Danny Van Sickle with the Electrical Training Lines. What a come-from-behind victory that was. Your thoughts on that game? You know what? I was kind of playing with house money on that game, I'll be honest with you. Before the year, you predicted, I believe, six wins. Probably. Yeah, sounds about and right. I, and I predicted seven wins. And we went in that game oh, with what, Florida State? I predicted 10-3. and three. <laughs> I know better than yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, I predicted seven wins. All I would have right. been happy with seven. We're sitting there with nine as a chance to get ten. Um, ten but, sounds so much better, though. Well, I tell you what, man. This, the longer that, that, that game went, the more comfortable that I, I got with them. Um, it was disheartening to see those runs up the middle. I mean, that clearly you could tell – you know, love it wasn't there as far as them runs they were busting up in the middle. Reminded me a lot if, of the uh, the Chick Fil A Bowl when they played South Carolina. That was okay. Jimbo around 2011 or 12, a year or two before the I championship. I was actually game. at that game. Yep, that me was too. when uh, Ponder broke basically broke his arm and EJ Manuel had to come in. Yep, I was there for that. And whenever you saw that, Jimbo said after the game, you know, listen, this is just the beginning. And that's kind of also Jimbo being Jimbo. But if you look at it, that was a building block. And uh -huh. from there, and that was after the lost decade. And we've the Greg seen. Greg Reed hit on. Yeah, uh, we, on uh, who was it? Was it Tomlinson? Who was the great back for South Carolina? Toefield? He, he had, he, uh, they um, shredded his knee. Can't think Mark, of it right. Yeah, gosh, I hate it whenever that happens. Yeah, I know exactly. I'll, he got I'll think of it here in a minute. Francisco. Lattimore, Lattimore. That, there you go, Marcus Lattimore. That's yeah. right. But really, it, never the same. Yeah. Right. And But they ended up building on that. Um, of course, you know, night and day between Coach Norvell and Coach uh, Fisher. Um, you know, you really got to uh, believe in the process and, and what they're doing. Um, it, it's a little disheartening when you see that they're lower on the recruiting rankings. I think they finished with number 18 and number 19. 
But I'm telling you, the, the portal has really changed things. There wasn't a portal five years ago. Whenever, if you didn't have a top five recruiting class, you were pretty much doomed. With these portal people that you're getting now, uh, used to when you had a player, you pretty much knew you had them for three years, uh, at least three years, you know, probably four years, because it was a great player. You knew you had him for three years before he went to the NFL. Listen, man, these guys are jumping around everywhere. So just because you have a great recruiting class doesn't mean they're going to be there to play for you in three years. Uh, by the same token, you don't want to go all portal because something's wrong if you're constantly bringing people from the other programs into your programs. I think they have a really good mix of getting the portal. I think that Norvell and his staff really got ahead on this whole portal thing about two or three years ago. And when you look at the other coaches that are utilizing it, Lincoln Riley, Lane Kiffin, these other coaches, whenever you're in that kind of company, then you know you're in pretty good company. You look at the players that they're bringing in players now, that and they're basically they're mercenaries. They're, they're going to be from one or two years but, man, they're four and they're five-star players. And for whatever reason, didn't work out where it was at. And then when you throw an NIL on top of it, um, it's a lot easier to get qu- – I mean, it's a lot quicker to get easier now than what it was before. Now, you mentioned South Carolina. No one recruits South Carolina better than Mike Norvell. Crying out loud, he goes over there and brings a couple of players the, every the year. The mascot's coming next year. You <laughs> yeah. hear? All right. Um, give us the very latest. I, I, I know that uh, here it is the 24th of January so we do have a little bit of time but everything needs to be taken care of if you would like to register to be a part of the Electrical Training Alliance by May 18th tell us about it yeah so just go to our website etajax.org you'll see a, a tab at the top for applying the apprenticeship and man you can start a great career get in our program it, it teaches you a trade um, you know we try to hit on different points when we come on here one thing I haven't hit a lot on is our graduates become business owners you know, uh, we all know of Miller Electric, right? We've heard yeah. of Cogman Brothers. Uh, Cog- the, the two brothers of Cogman Brothers went through our apprenticeship. We got companies like Elite Electrical. That was uh, started by someone who went through our apprenticeship. He's a business owner now. Uh, there's a Vansicle Electric out there. He went through our apprenticeship, and now he's a business owner. Uh, we've got several people who go through our program, learn to be an electrician, further their education, become master electricians, and then decide to open up their own companies. So it isn't just relegated just being an electrician. There are so many different opportunities out there for young men and women that want to get into the program. All right. Now, this is all ages now, male, female. You can be getting out of high school. You can be in college, no longer afford it. You can be out there with a career that just is spiraling out of control and you want to change. Tell everyone the ins and outs and, again, the best way to uh, to sign up with you. Well, Rick, we get – all kind of demographics. We get young men and women straight out of high school that mm-hmm. are just ready to start the career and don't want to go into college and get all that college debt. We get college graduates with four-year degrees that are working at barista at certain coffee companies around town, right? And because they can't do anything with their degree. And then they come in and interview with us. We get people who work in warehouses for 10 or 15 years and make pretty good money, but they realize that after 10 or 12 years, they plateaued and they're not going to make a whole lot more money than what they're making right then. And they still have another good 20, 25, 30 working years left. And they are willing to make that sacrifice and start over in the apprenticeship. So really, it doesn't matter what your age, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. We tell everybody the same thing. Show up on time, show up every day, have a great attitude, and you'll go far in our industry. Well, sounds great. And again, um, you know, tuition is brutal. Uh, nowadays and obviously that's not the case with the electrical training alliance once again how do the folks get a hold just of you? go to our website etajax.org go to our youtube channel you can see pictures of what we do at the school and of course there's a, 
uh, place for you to apply there. You can start the process of your application, uploading documents. Uh, we'll be taking applications all the way through May 18th. Always good to see you, man. You too, brother. Danny Van Sickle, the Electrical Training Alliance. All right, we got a lot to get into. Let's do it right here on the other side, including a comment on some divas. That's next. Into the Night with Rick Balloon on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, happy birthday to my mom. She's 80, and I'm going to get to see her this weekend. Haven't been able to all that much during the football part of the year. Uh, I did see this that popped out today on Twitter from Jordan Travis. And I quote, I came here to win a national championship. I didn't come here to win a Heisman. He's almost like too good to be true at this particular time. And Danny Mancicle was just saying, much like myself, he's a Florida State grad, and, of course, he loves the Jaguars. See, this is where I'm going to differ from just about everyone out there listening. Today's the 24th day of January. I sure as hell want to enjoy January, February, March, April, May, June, July. I know, again, before you know it, we're going to get a whole bunch of, I can't wait for football. I can't wait for football. I can wait for football. And this year, for the Jaguars and for Florida State, it's going to be an unbelievable offseason because the expectations have totally changed for both programs. Anything south of an, anything short of an AFC South. And I believe if they lose in the divisional round to the playoffs next year, all these fans who are saying this is great and, you know, so I have so much to be proud. You can be disappointed in a year because expectations change. Now, for me to sit here and tell you Florida State's going to a college football playoff at this point would be absurd. You just don't know. It's a week-to-week situation, and it applies for the Jags when you talk about health as well. You know, health as well. Jackson will stay incredibly healthy this year. Florida State lost three starting offensive linemen really before the year began. And, you know, after that, for the most part, they stayed pretty healthy. They lost a wide receiver, got in a car accident over the summer, who's back in uh, in right. But they stayed fairly healthy. You know, losing – and when you lose guys, look what happened when they lost Fabian Lovett. Look at their run defense when they lost uh, a few games in a row. So – that's where I'm different from you. I, I love the offseason. I love everything that, it, that, that is involved in sports and, and, and getting ready for it. I'm going to try to turn some of you this year. I'm not going to force the NHL down your throat. I've tried that way too many times. But I think we're going to do a weekly bit around here about what to do during the offseason so you're not one of those individuals who's just wishing time away to get to football. I think the first thing we should go with, J.J., find a girlfriend. Uh, Overrated. Okay. How about find a 
quality girlfriend. Oh, absolutely. Find someone, yes, cook and clean for you, take care of your every need. I was going to say find a baseball team to cheer for, but. Finding a girlfriend is amazing. It is. Some of the things that you can do, you know? If you find the right one. Like right now, I have a girlfriend that I'm in love with, and it's great. But I've had girlfriends in the past that it's not a good time. So be careful. Uh, Tread lightly. Really? Absolutely. Okay. I've been with the same woman for 13 years. (laughs) Hats off to you, man. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, you got to know what you want. So, you know, instead of sitting there saying, I can't wait for football. I can't wait for football. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Find a girlfriend. It's amazing the things you can do if you have a girlfriend. I heard somebody say today, they're like, Thank God the season lasted so long because now it's even less time to wait for football. Well, yeah. I mean, we got three games left. Uh, yeah, by like two weeks. Dude. It's a rough life. Being only a football fan is a rough life for some folks. I've been to a million radio rows. Do we really like the two weeks between Championship Sunday? I hate it. And the Super Bowl? You know what it's always about? It's about a big, a big story that involves the NFL, but it doesn't involve the game. Like I remember the one. Gate or something. Oh, my God. I remember the deflate gate, and I think we were in Phoenix that year. No one even talked about the game. Mm-hmm. We, we make that mistake that we're like, okay, we'll talk about the game. We'll wait till the Thursday or Friday before the game. But everything for those two weeks is – about talking about so many different things. You know, around here it's going to be relevant because there, there are real issues about this football team now. There's a real chance. Jacksonville's back on the map. So every move that they make now is going to be analyzed. And in some cases, it's going to be criticized. And we're going to have it for you each and every day right here. And I, and I, and I look forward uh, to that. But there are other things as well, such as... Florida Gator basketball tickets. Boom. We do have Florida Gator basketball tickets. They are coming off a huge win against Mississippi State uh, on Saturday, and now they will be taking on South Carolina in another SEC matchup. That is tomorrow night at 7. I have a pair of tickets for you. So if you are caller number four right now at 641-1010, I'll hook you up. How about that? Four tickets for tomorrow night. You don't uh, really give away Gator stuff on Rick uh, Rick Blue show, folks. Oh, so of this course. is a hey, very listen. special occurrence. We're, we're a family program. And, you know, we just talked about Jordan Travis. Now I'll even give you this. How about Miami getting off to a 54-28 halftime lead tonight at the Tuck? Florida State came back. They showed some heart. They outscored Miami in the second half, but it was not enough. 86-63, the Canes, ranked 20th in America, go to 16-4, 7-3 in the ACC. Florida State's been playing better basketball as of late. I think they've won two in a row, three out of four. They fall to 7-14. They are now 5-5 five five in the Atlantic Coast Conference. All right, let's get ready for our second hour. Uh, again, JJ's going to take the fourth caller at 641-1010. You can get tickets tomorrow night to that Gators basketball game. Hour number two with Rick Ballew coming up right now. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballew on 1010XL 92.5 FM. We have a winner to that Gator game tomorrow night. Congratulations, Brian. Have fun. Stay safe. 
do they have again tomorrow night? Do we know? Texas A&M. Nowhere if Jimbo will be in attendance. Texas A&M was the team who held them to like 12 points in the first half the Just other day. Or South Carolina, excuse me, excuse me. That is who they were playing the other day. And then they came back, and I think they lost by a bucket. Yeah, they only had like 12 points at halftime or something. Oh, man, are you telling me I'm going to have to start really getting into college basketball now? Oh, we still have a month or so. Incredible. Congratulations to your winner. Enjoy yourself tomorrow night. I'm going to save, for the most part, everything that Trent Bulky did today for tomorrow's show. I, I, I just am. I want to be fresh with that. At 6 o'clock during Wednesday's show. Thursday, we'll be at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra. It's going to be our final show at Mr. Chubby's for a little bit. I think we'll be back out there during Players Week, perhaps uh, before that or right after that as well during March Madness. But we're going to be out of there for a little bit. So if you're in the hood, uh, we'd love to have you out there. Then, uh, of course, uh, 6 to 8 on Friday. The one thing I want to mention about Trent Bulky today that that perhaps created, you know, the most reaction was his quote, cash is more important than the cap. And I love that. And that's something that is so very important for this organization because Shad Khan is a man who does have money. He's got liquid, okay? He's got cash to spend. And that's not the case for a lot of NFL teams. I think there's this misconception that because you're an NFL owner, you're just rolling in cash and cash and cash, where nowadays, if you know anything about money, and I'm not saying I do, but it's not all about what you have and what you're worth. It's more of what you actually have that you can spend, if that makes any sense. Cash. Sean Khan has cash. I don't know if Mark Davis has cash. Well, I know for a fact they didn't because remember when they tried to sign Khalil Mack a few years yeah. ago to an extension or whatever, they literally didn't have enough cash on hand for it, and they had to ship him elsewhere. So Never heard anything like that. You can look at Josh Allen and say, play him. You know, you picked up his fifth-year option, which is only available for first-round draft picks, and you can pay him 103 million dollars next year what if there's a side of things that you can pay him the going rate for a pass rush and give him an enormous deal which includes a signing bonus something filthy you know 45 50 million but it frees up a bunch of money where now you can use this to go out and get some other guys or to re-sign Evan Ingram or to give Jawan Taylor what he wants. or So there are different ways that you can work the cap. One of the most important ways that you can work the cap is by having enough cash where you can give that type of an extension included with a signing bonus. And, and these are the type of things we're going to talk about here, you know, practically daily during the offseason. But obviously Trent Bulky had sat down with Shad Khan before he announced yesterday it was announced that he was going to meet with the media this morning. So he's not saying anything that the owner's not aware of. And now tomorrow Trent's going to meet with his scouts and all that, and they're really going to be able to start to look at the key free agents. And 
you know, he said today about Evan Ingram, how important that is. You heard Doug Peterson yesterday on, uh, you know, Juwan Taylor. So I, I want to say this tomorrow night at 6. I don't want to do too much more on it tonight. If you have a comment, you can get to us, 641-1010 on the text line, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. But I, I do think that that comment from Trent Bulky was a, a very good one, if you are a Jaguar fan. All right, let me get to this real quick. What did I do with it? Because I, I have a couple of opinions on it. And uh, JJ, I want to get your uh, thoughts on it as well. This comes from the 8386. It says, uh, Rick and JJ, what's up? One of you guys saw the Divas Stefan Diggs uh, tweeting post game, making a seat on the sideline at Josh Allen. We're not getting the ball this past weekend's game against Cincinnati. He went four of 10 for 35 yards. He's a great wide receiver, but a cancer in the locker room, in my opinion. He was acting like a baby after the loss. All right. Couple of things here. Number one, not a great look. Okay, not n- not a great look to throw your quarterback under the bus to to go through the antics that he did on the sideline. However, it was them getting kicked out of the playoffs. This isn't week three in a game where this is something that is going to linger for an entire year. I, I'm sure there is a little bit of regret by the way that he acted on the sideline. As far as that is concerned, okay, act better, don't be so much of a baby, whatever. His tweet is absolutely outstanding. This is one of the greatest tweets I have ever read. And if you didn't see it, let me read it to you. This is what Stefan Diggs had to say. And I quote, Want me to be okay with losing, question mark? Nah. I freaking love that. I am so consistent with that. We take losing way, way too easily. And I'm not saying we here in Jacksonville. I'm saying we in general. You don't get a lot of these opportunities. Do you remember what it was like back in August and September? They were ready to give Josh Allen the Lombardi and Josh Allen the MVP. Buffalo had won the Super Bowl by late September. It was absolutely out of this world. And there's too many times where we see that teams lose and players lose and players make mistakes, and there's not enough accountability. There's not enough, you know, there's so much, oh, it's on me, pound the chill. That was my bad. I love it when players are completely livid that they lost. And that's Stefan Diggs. So the first part, yeah, I, I would try to find a way to perhaps not allow that to happen again. But at least he's showing everyone this man wants to win. Jalen Ramsey crying on the bench, showing us that he wants to win. Terrell Owens, Dennis Rodman, foolish, childish type of actions. But what did they want? They wanted to win, and there's not enough of that. There, there, there frankly is not, in my opinion. So I love the quote. As a matter of fact, this is my favorite tweet so far in, in 2023, and I think it's one that I'm going to use for the rest of my days on sports radio for the teams that I care most about, and it sounds like this. Want me to be okay with losing? Nah. I loved it. I hate it. I think it's typical childish 
wide receiver NFL. I'm a baby. I'm going to take my stuff and go home, which he actually did. Went straight to the locker room, took all his stuff out before he even talked to the coaches. I I think it's BS that, like, oh, he wants to win more than, uh, I don't know, let's just put in another wide receiver who doesn't think he had enough catches that game. Like, you don't want to win more than they do. I, I don't believe that. I'm sure some guys you do, but – just generally, it's not like Stefan Diggs just wants to win more than everybody else. I hate showing up your quarterback, especially considering you were good in Minnesota. You weren't great. You you have made yourself into one of the best receivers in the world, but a lot of that has to do with you have a quarterback who's awesome, who gets you the ball a lot. So I really cringed. When I saw out of all people, you're showing up Josh Allen. And then you go in the locker room, take all your stuff, and leave before the coaches get there. I don't think it's because you care more about winning than everyone else. I think it's because you're immature. You're, you act like a child. And it's typical NFL player behavior. All right. So he's a baby. Would you want him here in Jacksonville? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I would as well. Let, 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 all right. So let's get to... The diva here, all right, and you know I, I, I've said it. I said it when it happened during the game. I said it yesterday. I've I've been criticized for it. I've also been supported for it. Christian Kirk has to make that grab. That that's the end of the story. You have to make that play, and he didn't make the play. And in my opinion. You need to show a little bit of humility. You don't respond to someone in the local media who called him out by saying, when Calvin Ridley's here, that is a catch. <laughs> You're making the most amount of money. I'm, I'm digging up the 2023 contracted players. Christian Kirk has a cap number of $23 million this year. His guaranteed salary is $15 million. $500,000. Again, the cap number is $23 million. If you wanted to cut them, which would be foolish, I'm just giving you the numbers. If you cut them, you'd have dead money of $30,500,000. He's, he's the highest paid guy. And by the way, I like him. I think he's humble. There's, there's nothing not to like with Christian Kirk. But he took the media to respond to someone who called him out. And no, <laughs> let, it, let it go. Eat this one. You dropped the ball. You had seven regular season drops, and that included some big ones. And you dropped this ball, a perfectly thrown 55-yard pass right on your fingertips. If you catch that ball, Jacksonville's probably going in for a touchdown. If not, they're at least settling uh, for a field goal. So, hard too hard, it's only Twitter, let it go, he's showing his emotions, or you agree with me, jam it up next time. I I think you got to keep your mouth shut, maybe, you know, say whatever you want to your friends and teammates about, you know, they didn't believe in me or whatever, they didn't say anything when I was having a good season, whatever, but when you go on Twitter, it makes you look petty, and you've done a great job of being the non-petty guy all season. Like that that's why I was surprised by this. To the media and interviews and everything, he has been asked countless times about people thinking that he's overpaid and and he's always taken the, you know, 
the high road. That's why I was so shocked that this happened. Obviously, he's affected by this drop. Mm -hmm. Mike Evans dropped one from Tom Brady a week prior. Kind of a similar deal. It was to the other sideline. Um, but that's a that's a wounded ship that we all saw going down. Also, it. veterans, you right. know, they have Super Bowl rings. Oh, yeah. And I mean, this look, is a different level. Aging Brady and Evans is what? First guy in the league to have nine consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. This is the first 1,000-yard season uh, for Christian Kirk. And he had a very good year. But I was actually surprised today that I was getting a little bit more support than I thought I would get because my instant reaction on somewhat the weekend, but that was a little bit clouded. Uh, but certainly when I got after work on Monday, I, I, I found far, far uh, too much, perhaps, support. And maybe that's the wrong word because they were a three-win team, and J.J. and I went back and forth. We had them winning six or seven games. We, we, we were right at that number. And, and they won, obviously, nine games. And then they won a tenth game in a playoff game. So they had a better season than any one of us thought. But it doesn't mean, just because you overachieve and you have a better season, it doesn't mean that you cannot change when you see how the team is playing. And they made a tremendous amount of mistakes, a lot of mistakes. And I think too many of these mistakes have been accepted by this fan base, have been accepted and apologized for by the local media. And I hate it. I, I admit it. I'm wired differently. I'm not trying to compare myself to anyone else, but I am. When you get to this level, you got to limit the mistakes for crying out loud. I mean, Arden Key gets a roughing the passer. Okay? You can't have it. Walker Little trips a guy. You can't have it. Aloha Khan, who, who leads the league in tackles. He's been great. Drops an automatic interception. You, you go zero for seven on the turnover takeaway ratio. Jacksonville turned the ball over seven times against L.A. and Kansas City. They didn't get one turnover. They had no sacks against the peg leg. Okay? Jamal Agnew, a fumble on the three. You can't have it. The Kirk drop, the hasty drop from the 39 on, on 39, uh, 30 19. You can't have it. The pick by a rookie, a seventh round rookie corner in Jalen Watson makes a one handed miraculous interception off you can't have it and that's my point that's this league too many mistakes and, and it was almost like that tweet is like hey i mean look how good i was in the regular season right you know like you should be happy with where we were where we ended up or where i ended up it's and like who did you respond to was it jordan delugo yeah and i, I like jordan so. jordan's a huge jags guy I mean, he, he made a point. And, and, and be better what? than that. I agree with that. You know, that Ridley catches that ball. Be I, better than that. I mean, go outside and, and, and go with some weights or go with your Be better than, than be um, so sensitive 
in a town where you're loved. You've already forgot. Again, Wes Welker won Super Bowls in New England. Walk up to a chowder ahead right now and say, what comes to mind when I mention the name Wes Welker? You know what they're going to say? When he dropped that ball, when the Patriots lost the Super Bowl to the Giants, they won six Super Bowls. Around here, you go, what is Christian? They're going to bring up, oh, Christian Kirk did this. This fan base isn't wired to bring up a negative. This is a huge negative. You have to make that grab. There's no other way to say it. You have to catch that football. You're getting paid $18 million. You have to make that play, and you didn't. Show some humility. Don't respond on Twitter. Unbelievable. I mean, is he turning into a diva? That was a diva move. And I love the guy. And I wish him the best. I'm actually surprised that there are quite a few people out there who agreed with me. Of course, last night there was a towel. Oh, Baloo, you're just too hard. Oh, Baloo, you're miserable. Oh, Baloo, you know, they played better than they should have. I, I, no kidding. Every show, we document and analyze every little move, play by play, situation by situation, all year. 41 drops, including huge ones. In the playoffs. So anyway, I have a feeling that's going to change a little bit. I have a feeling right now that even the most diehard Jaguar fan, it's like, oh, you know, give him a pass. He had a great year. All of a sudden, it's going to be mid-February or mid-March, early April, and that play's going to come up, and you're going to say, damn it. How in the hell did he drop that ball? Because you don't get these chances all the time. There's no guarantee that Jacksonville's going to be in that situation again. Do you think Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert or any of these other quarterbacks are going away? Just to assume that Jacksonville's going to be in this position every year is ridiculous. You had a chance to beat the Chiefs. They were, they were done when Mahomes went down. You allow Chad Henney to go 98 yards. Oh, well, it wasn't Henney. Pacheco went 39 yards, and that was a bad penalty here. And then, you know, they went to Kelsey. Of course they they went to Kelsey 14 times. If Pacheco beats you, tip your cap. You let Kelsey beat you 14 times, and you couldn't, you couldn't do anything. It was like you didn't even have a game plan on how to defend the best tight end in football. So I I do. I I, I hope this offseason, I, I do. I hope this fan base grows up a little bit. And what I mean by that is some more accountability. You don't make excuses for the college teams around here, do you? Hey, Gator fans, how pissed off are you right now? You don't make excuses, do you? Florida State fans have gotten on my ass forever because they suck. And I tell you that they suck. Well, now they're getting pretty good again. And I'm going to tell you that they're pretty good. Well, around here, you lose the losing because this franchise lost 10 out of the last 11 years. 
sooner or later, you're going to get away from, oh, we were so much better than anyone expected, to, damn it, man, we had it, and we blew it. So that's my point on that. All right. You want to respond? Absolutely. Best way to do it is to uh, roll down the window in your car and scream. (laughs) Or get me on Twitter. Or excuse me, get me on the text line. 641-1010. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. 2381 says, uh, Rick, do you have 100% of good shows or do you occasionally have a bad show? Back in the 90s, I had the, the bad show. It was named the bad show. It was also, at the time, the highest rated show in Jacksonville. I, uh, that answer, by the way, would come from you and other listeners out there. 0107 says, and I quote, roll down the window and scream. That was great. I kind of like that. By the way, thank you, first texter. We now have Christian Kirk's number on file here. His phone number? Yeah, that, that was him texting in about you not having any good shows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, he asked. Yeah, that's his yeah. way of saying, you know, mm-hmm. can't win them all. Right. Um, listen, we all stink at times, right? Some are better than others. It's just his, and, and all he can give you is my opinion. His reaction was so petty. He's better than that. He's a great story. He's a likable guy. I've been bragging about him since I met him when he came in for his interview after he signed the free agency contract. And I've absolutely been pulling for this guy. I just thought he would have been better off not reacting. Uh, yeah, 5405, Blue, I'd rather have someone act like Stefan Diggs and the way Dak did his post game. How about the Dallas Cowboys? Embarrassing, once again. The Dallas Cowboys haven't won a playoff game, the division round playoff game since 1995. How about those on the Dallas Cowboys payroll? Their, you, their social media team. Did you see their official page? Yeah, I'll read it off. It's not something you normally see from, you know, official media pages of uh, social media pages of these teams. Usually it's like if they're losing, they'll just show the score maybe and not say anything else. But they were this obviously came down from somebody on top because you would never put this. And if it was somebody who went rogue, they would have erased it. So here it is. Um Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in the narrow loss to the 49ers in a matchup the Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't again generate self-inflicted wounds. The (laughs) one right under that. Plays that might have forgotten, plays that might get forgotten include Tony Pollard's game-changing injury and a dropped interception by Trayvon Diggs. Wow. Wow. Diggs, one of their best players. Pollard, when healthy, one of their best players. Dak's playoff record is identical to Tony Romo. 
Oh, listen to this one. Can you imagine if someone did that in this town? Oh, they get laid off. Can you imagine if someone pointed out the Agnew fumble and the Christian Kirk drop? I mean, On seriously. the official page yeah. of the Jacksonville Jaguars, that wouldn't happen. That's why I think this has to be like a, maybe not a Jerry Jones thing, but some, maybe his son, somebody important let this happen. Uh, here's another one. Mike McCarthy took to the podium following the loss of the 49ers to give his take on a season that had the opportunity to be special, but instead ended up being anything but. <laughs> well, I told you I would have fired oh him after God. his performance here. Yeah. He didn't try to win the game here. That's interesting with the those who get paid by the team. I used to get it from you folks all the time. Oh, Baloo, you won't say anything negative about the Jaguars because they sign your checks. Or I would get, how are you getting away with making those comments? You get checks from the Jaguars. And I told you then when I worked for them, and I'll tell you now where I'm a year removed, I was never told once what I could and could not say. Never. And if I was, I wouldn't work here. I just wouldn't. So to credit them, it's never happened. But the people who run that website over there who or who do whatever at Jaguars.com, I got to imagine it's someone in PR. I've never really asked. They would never. Oh, my God. Like, they just put went, something out like that. They won four games in two years, and we never even saw anything close to that. You know, much less a team that went to the playoffs and got to the second round, like, it's always sunshine and rainbows on these team social media pages. Zero seven six three blue. Much like the team itself, the Jaguar fan and city must learn how to win. Like you said, decades of losing makes even small improvements seem more significant. Accountability from the fans will come when the team shows they are who we want them to be. From the zero seven six three, that's very well said, and I. I want to be clear about this because I made a comment a few moments ago about Jaguar fans growing up. I'm not saying they're not good human beings. I'm not saying they're not good people. That's wrong. They're just used to losing. And somehow you got to find a way where you've turned the corner and instead of saying, all right, we lost, but we played hard, that's no longer good enough. And I understand the sample size has been one year, okay? But let me give you the best example of this of all time. There are certain things that stick in my mind forever, and they'll never leave. The best example of this that I'll ever give you is the 2020 season, okay? Coughlin had just gotten fired. You win here on opening day 27-20 against Indianapolis. What happens in week two? You go to Tennessee, and you lose in Nashville by a final of 33-30. to And I'll never forget the reaction in this city when I came back and did the Monday show. It was moral victory. It was close but no cigar. And I remember then being batty because my opinion has always been this. There is no such thing as a moral victory in the National Football League. There just isn't. 
You win or you lose. And this league is designed that no team should be that good for a long period of time. Now, that's been snapped when you look at New England and Pittsburgh and Seattle and now Kansas City. And even putting Pittsburgh in there, they've won, what, one playoff game in the last 10 years? So maybe it's time to eliminate them. No team should be that bad for a long period of time. Yet is Cleveland and there's Detroit and there's Jacksonville. So the point is, you're supposed to be able to fix yourself in this league. I know you hate the stat, but every year, what happens, JJ? What well, happens every single year? The first, and it happened again with the Jags. Every year it happens. The league is built for that. Look at the league, people. They do everything in their power to make everything equal. They give you the first pick. They give everyone the same amount of money that they can spend. You know, you have to hit the floor of the spending. You have to. You can't go past the cap, like. It's built for everyone to be 8-8 eight and eight, pretty much or it, whatever it is now. Based on this, one of these teams will be a divisional winner next year. The Jets, the Browns, the Texans, the Broncos, the Commanders, the Bears, the Saints or Falcons, and the Cardinals because that's the way this league is structured. But I remember week two in 2020. And I lost my mind. I was like, look at this fan base, man. And then they lost 15 straight. Yeah, and then they won, <laughs> he lost 15 straight after the fact. So, uh, I just want you to understand my whole point of grow up, okay? I, I, I want the expectations to change. If you're still in the warm and fuzzy period, you know, you like got the first kiss, you held their hand, then you got the first kiss. And everything right now is just so, you're still opening the car door for, everything's great right now. Well, sooner or later, you're going to fall into that relationship. And you're going to expect her to, oh, I don't know, do things in return. Make the bed, perhaps. Uh, Do your laundry. I don't know. Hell, go out and make some money. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> it's actually, you know, have a woman who goes out and makes some cabbage. Yeah, I don't know, but I get ahead of it. The, the, the acceptance of, uh, of losing in mistakes has got to end around here. I, I don't want to compare you to Buffalo and Dallas. That's unfair. Buffalo was talked about as a Super Bowl team this year. Dallas, you know, Dallas has so much pressure, such media coverage right there in the middle of the Metroplex with Jerry Jones the whole way down. They haven't been to the Super Bowl in 27 years. They haven't been anything since the Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Emmitt Smith, Deion Sanders years. They haven't been anything. I want this team to not only be relevant, but I want them to be held accountable for when things go wrong. So you're not excusing a Jamal Agnew fumble. Everyone fumbles. Not everyone fumbles in the fourth quarter inside the five-yard line of a divisional round of a playoff game. You know who did that? Ernest, Ernest Biner. Biner. I was about to say. Go ask the people in Cleveland They're what Ernest Biner is. That's the point I'm trying to make to you. Is that around here, it's kind of like, shh. You know? It's blame the refs. 
Miles Jack was down. But it's not, how do we not cover Danny Amendola on third and 18? And it's the same thing with Saturday night. It's, oh, Arden Key shouldn't have been called. Oh, that was a bad call on a trip by Walker Little. Oh, there should have been a penalty on Saunders on that hit with Trevor Lawrence. You may be right with all three of those. But there's not enough on the Aloacon drop pick. On the Kirk drop. On the Jamichael Hasty, 30-19 drop. All right? They peddled James Robinson. James Robinson could pass protect. If James Robinson was in there, would he have caught that ball? I, 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 I don't know. I'm asking. So that's what I'm hoping. Is now that this team has made that move, that they start to get held to somewhat of a different, there's a different criteria than we're just happy to be here. Okay. And I understand this is year one. But I'm telling you, people tape games. I tape games. By the way, Collinsworth sucked again. Chris Collinsworth just sucks. He actually called the Trevor Ball to Kirk an overthrow. I heard people saying that. I'm here, so I only hear Frank's call. Um, but, yeah, I heard not a good one for Jags have been just getting screwed the last couple of weeks. Well, I mean – Collinsworth last year during the Super Bowl was like, oh, my God. What are, he's, he's lost his fastball, too. What are the Rams going to do? How are they going to fight their way back? And we're sitting there going, hmm, I don't know, maybe get the ball to the guy who won the Triple Crown this year in Cooper Cup. Which they did. Most receptions, yards, and touch. Cooper Cup would have got – well, Cooper Cup runs a great route. He, I mean, Collins, he's just – he's just I don't know if he can't see anymore. He needs to see Dr. <laughs> – he needs to come in town here and see Dr. Schmunez. Absolutely. So that's my point with the fans. It's not that I'm I'm not with you, all right? I just want your expectate I want your expectations to change. And it almost sounds like it's you know like parents of like varsity players. Oh, he's only an amateur. You know, he's only a sophomore in high school. Wait till he's a junior in high school. Is that you know what I mean by the like the good fans of of moms and dads of their Sons and daughters who are playing amateur high school athletics. That's the way it's supposed to be. Not when you're in a divisional round of a playoff game. You've got to react differently. At least, well, I'm going to. I always have. Kind of hope you'll agree with me. All right, let's pay. Uh, let's do that. Let's knock out a few of these and get you ready for Hacker Nation. He'll join you tonight at 10. You're Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, we just have a couple of minutes left here. Uh, where did I want to go? There was one really... A couple of good ones in here that I wanted to wrap up with. Uh, here's Ballou, nine, ten weeks ago. You were dismantling the team. This player has to go. This player has to go. Uh, yada, yada, yada. No, no doubt. Yeah, we fired everyone. We cut everyone that week. No doubt. After Detroit, I would have I would have started firing guys right then. That's me. Um, but I want to win. Um, where is it? Damn it. Okay, here we go. Uh, 1922 Blue. Just don't understand why our defense coordinator 
can't just say, Travis Kelsey, you're not beating us today. It's a phenomenal point, and he did beat him today, and or beat him a couple of nights ago. Uh, Jacksonville has a lot of improvement that they are going to need to do with this football team. They were worse than the NFL when it came to covering running backs who caught the ball out of the backfield. They were one of the worst tackling teams in the NFL. Definitely documented this past Saturday night. And going in, you knew that, I mean, Kansas City doesn't have great wide receivers. They also don't have a, you know, pass-catching backs like some of the teams they had just faced. It was simple. Stop Kelsey, and they couldn't. So here's what really has to happen on that side of the ball. You need to change your scheme. And you need to find best where you can play these players. And the other side of this, and this is the most important part, these second-year players, Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, and Chad Muma, have to improve significantly. Tyson Campbell did. Andre Sisco at times did. Year three, Devon Hamilton absolutely improved this year. No question about it. Josh Allen, spotty. But it's these three players. You've got to find out. And, and, oh, by the way, while you're at it, how are you going to cover running backs out of the backfield? Again, you were worse than the NFL. You just got beat because a tight end schooled you, and you had no answer. How are you going to put these players in the proper position where they can start to make plays. Because more than anything that this team does defensively in free agency, the growth of Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, and Chad Muma is more important. Those three have to improve. Huge step. And if so, think about how the team changes. If those three move forward, think of where this team will be. But you got to scheme them. you got to put them in one place and teach them and keep them there. All right, that's it. I don't check the text line. If you want to get a hold of me, you can do so on Twitter. That is Baloo, B-A-L-L-O-U, 1010XL. Tomorrow night, 6 to 8, everything on Trent Bulky. That'll be part of Wednesday night's program. Thank you to JJ Hacker Nation. Joins you right now.